So we took a little bit of a day off. That was not because we were hungover. Nope. That's because we were adults. Uh, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily we survived Beer Fest. Yeah. Um, not as crazy as we thought it was going to be. No, that was kind of a surprise. So Although VIP private bathroom. Mm. That was yes. the best. Mm. Mwah. Yeah. Mwah. No lineups. Because those lineups are absolutely trash and you walk in there and you like you have to do like a half doggy paddle to get to the the urinals by the time you get to like hour three see but the the funny thing was is you could have gotten away with just buying one pass and sharing it between people i like people they were not checking that closely no people people did not have to like each buy their own vip pass like there was a one point in the night where so the vip pass is so for beer fest you can either just buy like an entrance ticket and you just had to use like the regular bathrooms and it's like a, it's an event where everyone's just drinking liquid. Yep. Um, you can use the public bathrooms or you could buy like a VIP pass. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> and then basically it just gave you access to a private bathroom and, and some other things, which I never took advantage of. But like I went, I came out, I gave someone else my pass. They went still in, they still hundred percent worth the 10 bucks. So yeah. Oh yeah. Still 100% worth the 10 bucks. But oh, there we, when we showed up, there was a guy, he was literally out cold and it was like. 4 30 in the afternoon we're like bud you're like good for you it's only been open for like two hours but we'll get into that at crack a craft (laughs) let's get into it Battle.cast. My name is Taylor. My name is Andrew. Uh, getting into the queue. The queue. The queue. Stage three complete. Did Boston rise to the occasion? The HCC Crucible concludes. Relegation or status quo? Pink Mercy. Ooh. Mythic Invitationals. Method to the Madness. Tickets on sale for BlizzCon May 17th. In person, not online. Thinking.gif. Thinking.gif. Uh, headlines. The brooms were out for stage three of the Overwatch League. Yep, stage three playoffs were uh, a bit of a, a sweet, sweet fest. So unlike the previous stages, they had uh, it was all best of fives. So basically everything was three O's, three O's, three O's, three O and one for the finals, which is the first. The first three one has one. Yes, because there was a tie. Wow. Wow. Shook. How is would it? you even do that? So it's like a playoff series with a tie in it. How would you even do that? What if they? What if they just tied out? Well, that's why they uh, they changed the format a little bit, but also like they only have like the one type where you can tie on, which is kind of nice. So they luckily only have the one format where there's poss- the possibility of a tie, but uh, they had to change the the format around of the map rotation because the last map of every series was uh, the tie map, so then everyone would just give up and it would end up being like two O's all the time or like three ones because they just like. To, like throw away the last map and it was worthless sad but then they realized map differential matters so they uh decided to start paying attention wow would you look at that all right well so this was the first test of the act like a true semi-finals into finals format for them and i thought it was pretty successful despite the sweeps very entertaining 
So for the first round, it was Boston versus Gladiators and NYXL versus Valiant. So Boston chose the Gladiators as their opponent, uh, 3-0'd them, and NYXL was left with Valiant, a very good team to put up a Valiant effort, but they got 3-0'd. So it was no surprises for the results. Uh, the 3-0, I would say, was a little bit of uh, misleading for how well the LA teams played. Both of them showed up really well, so I'm really happy with where they're at, considering that I had low expectations for the Gladiators, and uh, I had questions about the Valiant at the beginning of the year because of the way they'd been performing pre-Overwatch League under the Immortals banner. Hmm. Yeah, from a, from the looks of it, I'm just looking up a, um, an article right now from a uh, the, the Esports Observer. Uh, it's titled NYXL's Takedown of Boston Uprising. So kind of a little spoiler alert going into the final. Wow. Um, way, way to, yeah, way give, to it, give it away. Yeah, way to sell the ending there. Um, viewership, not great. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh, eh, that's I don't, I'm not really that worried about it. No, I think like it has to level out, right? I mean, stage one was so high. Stage two was not bad, like a not bad follow-up. But, uh, yeah, viewership declining. Yeah, I, I I think of it as a way that we have like the NHL, like the NHL or NBA or or baseball, where you get to like that mid late part of the year, and uh, summer's just starting. Don't, don't and scoff at baseball. Baseball is a great sport. Anyways, baseball has 162 games a year. Yeah. So, fuck yourself. I would watch all of them. The ebb and, the ebb and flow of baseball is inevitable and understandable. Yes. For viewership and attendance and enthusiasm. <laughs> so I don't want to hear no sass from you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, continue. Anyways, for instance, the Gladiators uh, pushed Junkertown against Boston Uprising 3-2. So like it was it was close, right? And uh, the last, and the Temple of Anubis, the game three. Uh, LA got full held, but Boston barely took the first, the, the first uh, point. For, the, for Temple of Anubis. So, like, that was a pretty close series. I remember watching it. And Surefour was incredible on, on Widow. And he really carried hard in some cases. Like, the individual players on Gladiators had a, had a good series. So, I would honestly not be uh, upset by a 3-0 if I were a fan, which I'm not. Which is unfortunate because I'd be cheering for at least a competitive team. <laughs> You'd be at least cheering for, like, a team that hasn't stepped on their own dick for their entire season. Uh, yeah. So, on that note, I am, actu- I am actually... Going to my backup team for the rest of the year, uh, the LA Valiant. How how nice! There you go. See, bandwagoning already. Would you look at that? Wow, look at you, Mister Soul <laughs> Dynasty. <laughs> Haven't heard you talking much shit about that lately. Anyways, <laughs> hey, at least like at least I didn't didn't cop out and jump onto the NYXL bandwagon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Or I even the London Spitfire bandwagon. So you go fuck yourself. Speaking of which. NYXL defeats the Valiant. <laughs> yes. 3 But at least it was a playoff series. It was a playoff series. You're right. Uh, again, same thing. Like, it was super competitive, uh, relatively speaking. I mean, getting 2 out on Ilios always sucks. But, uh, again, like a really close Temple of Anubis where NYXL only captured point A. And then LA Valiant got full held. But it, it was, like, super competitive, super defensive. And again, Junkertown, that, that same back and forth, really close to, to finishing it off for Valiant. And then Excelsior just managed to pull it out. So again, a super entertaining. Like It was a 3-0, but not like a complete just ass-kicking. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the same thing when you go into like the, 
the finals of NYXL versus Boston Uprising. Uh, this had a bit of a different map pool. Um, Big Earl's Route 66 was the first map for their for their escort. This again was super close. I loved watching uh, Sabiolvi and Pine, who is their the widow maestro, just absolutely annihilate an entire team on their own. Um, but Boston really held up well. Note their diva player played exceptional. Uh, they have you know mistakes did okay considering that Pine is considered to be like the widow slash sniper savant who will 360 no scope someone in the head from a distance and then just like pit away without without like any sort of harm coming to him he's the sort of guy that has that will grapple right into the middle of a fight dome three people and then grapple out and still somehow not die like it's insane to watch this guy play so holding your own against him it's pretty admirable there's something to be said about playing a Widowmaker really good. You know? uh, yeah, because I've tried and I'm not very good. No, I'm... Spoiler, not good at all. Yeah, like I haven't played a lot of Overwatch lately, but like, I mean, I've tried to snipe in other games like Fortnite. It, it's not happening. Nope. Not happening. Also, although we, we could we could have an entire conversation about how Fortnite aiming mechanics are absolute trash. They are. You're but right. we won't because it's not a Blizzard product. Well, this isn't, this isn't a Fortnite podcast. <laughs> this is a Blizzard podcast. And everybody else is on that Fortnite bandwagon. Oh, well, the Fortnite party bus. Yes. And uh, we, we, we decided to get off a little early. Yeah, we, uh, like, we, a, we, like responsible adults. A little quick jump to Tilted, you know, and then we're out of there. <laughs> um, yeah, so Boston defeats Gladiators 3-0. NYXL defeats Valiant 3-0. Uh, going into the final, which means it was Boston versus NYXL. Uh, and NYXL manhandled. On, pa- per- on paper. Person handled. I would, I would say, though, by comparison to the first two, this was probably a little bit less balanced. Like, again, Pine and you decided to show up real hard. For this one, uh, Volskaya was the closest map. That's because it's Boston's best map by a long shot, and it's one of those maps that's really easy to snowball and have like a bunch, a whole bunch of back and forth. They actually both. It was in, when I watched it, the tie came out of because they both pushed a, after the the initial uh, caps when they went back and did the the second rounds. Both teams captured point A pretty quickly, but then the defense on both these teams really stepped up and. There was some weird alt management at some times and like some extended fights. So neither team could really get any sort of substantial foothold on point B, which he, which Volskaya point B is pretty hard to capture when you don't have a, like a really organized team. So seeing two extremely, you know, highly talented, highly trained teams have the same sort of difficulties that people have in ranked play to try and capture that point B was interesting, but for different reasons, like, uh, uh, who is it on uh boston boston's i can't i'm blanking on his name uh boston boston support player their uh zen player got knocked off the map about three or four times by mono who who ulted and, and like solo ulted on him just to, to dunk on him it was ridiculous uh there was a whole bunch of like character changes you saw mccree you saw genji you saw well a ton of tracer play for obvious reasons some some widow duels and just it was a nuts. It was it was worthwhile for a tie. But even the Numbani map, like the the one that was a clincher for New York, was exceptionally well played. Uh, on that one, both teams pushed really hard. It was a a bit snowbally at times, but there was a couple of uh, super clutch plays by by Pine and Sabiobi on that one that that really pushed them over the edge. But 
you got, I got to give credit to like to, to striker. It's ne- it's uh, Neko by the way was the Neko. player. Neko. He got he got dunked into into the drink on Volskaya multiple times and it was really unfortunate. It was both lineups. I can't say enough about how good they played. Uh, they played their style unapologetically. Uh, they made change. They made some changes. They, there was like a couple of team kills, a lot of three Ks, a lot of four Ks, and uh, even though it didn't go the distance like the previous finals had, I didn't feel like it was unentertaining. So I highly recommend if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It makes me super hype for the the final stage and the final stage playoffs, which that just dropped today. They are going to play at the Barclays Center for the grand finals. <laughs> the uh, the not a hockey rink. Yeah, yeah. Luck- yeah. Luckily, this is not a hockey game that they're going to be playing, so I'm yeah. sure the sight lines will be exceptional. <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't get that reference, the New York Islanders uh, played in Nassau Coliseum forever. Uh, it pretty it practically fell apart around them. They yep. then moved to the Barclays Center, which is not a hockey rink. Nope. Uh, they tried to make it into a hockey rink. Uh, spoiler alert. It's still not a hockey rink. Yep. Uh, Sightlines are awful. Ivan. So so bad they could not wait to announce a brand new arena out in like the boonies, the New York boonies to be built around, I think, a racetrack. Something like that. Anyways, like they could not get out of, try and get out of that contract fast enough. Funny. But yeah, so NY, NYXL wins yet another stage. Yes. Back-to-back champs. Back-to-back. Uh, yeah, it's, they just, they look like they're going to run away with it, in my opinion. Like, they're, they're just on such a good roll right now. Boston, Boston, sorry, Boston put up a valiant effort. Um, I mean, I guess I could have used that pun for NYXL, but, um, <laughs> Boston put up a valiant effort this stage. Uh, looked really good. Uh, New York put up an exceptional, exceptional effort, uh, and to win again. So congratulations to NYXL, win stage three and stage two back to back. And, uh, we're going to the next stage. Yeah. They're going to be the favorites again. They're the strong favorites. Just looking at the record 27 and three, uh, their map differential is 68. The next best is London Spitfire at plus 38. <laughs> Not even close. It's, it's absolutely going to be a railroading. It'll be entertaining as hell, but I have, no like inclination that anyone other than NYXL and one of Boston or London will be in that will will not be in that grand finals. Like it it will be at least one Korean team in the grand finals. Yeah. If not two, if the Spitfire decide to show up in the next stage. Correct. They have no reason not to. And hey, look, Soul Dynasty there is in well fourth. In fourth. Hey, the, you know what? They're in fourth, so they may they they ha- they have a chance. They, so what you're saying is there's a chance. Yeah. Uh, moving on, HGC Crucible EU and North America. Yeah. Tell us about. It. So the the Crucible for the I've mentioned it a couple of times now with the Crucible for those who don't know is the relegation uh, midway the mid season point relegation for the bottom teams in NA EU, and there is Korea, but I didn't pay enough attention to the Korea one. I have I've watched the vods, but I didn't pay enough attention to the region. Uh, what should be noted is that no teams got relegated this time, which was interesting. Um, there was actually some disappointment with uh, the way the the commentators they brought in, who were the open division commentators they brought in, were expecting a bit more of a challenge from a couple of teams. So let's go through a little bit. Uh, NA NA was probably the closest region for this. Uh, Kings Gambit nearly took out No Tomorrow the second worst of the North American teams uh, with a, I would call it a reverse sweep 
because it kind of was like King's Gambit was up 3-1 in a best of seven. They lost 4-3. In Toronto, Toronto knows all about that. Yeah. And Vancouver also knows all about that. Yeah. It's a, a North American special. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I watched the VODs. It was super close. Uh, <laughs> no Tomorrow tried the uh, no, the Abathur healer composition on one of the maps, which was like wild. That like is just a crazy comp- composition. Uh, it ended up not working for them. Spoiler alert. But they did end up holding their spot. Um, <clears throat> I would expect from from that King's Gambit team in particular, uh, some of the players are going to get poached for HGC. Like they just played exceptionally. I mean, they they took uh, No Tomorrow to task, so No Tomorrow better show up in the in the next set, next stage. Um, the other the other North American one was uh, XD uh, hung in strong against LFM, but it just wasn't nearly as close. And it was actually disappointing because XD was far and above the best North American open division team. Anyways, that was a 4-1, not super close. A couple of close games, but nothing like particularly notable of that one. Uh, in EU, Diamond Skin and Leftovers were able to maintain their spots as well. Both had 4-1 wins over worse positioning at Granite Gaming, respectively. Again, same thing with North America. Like I would expect probably worse positioning, more so than Granite Gaming. A couple of their players will get poached. Because the the thing with uh, HGC is that players come and go quite a bit from the teams, especially when they have like downtime, whether it's off season or going into the mid season brawl in like a couple weeks from now, you'll see some roster changes. A few they've already had a couple of roster changes actually to some of the teams in HGC, and not necessarily in the mid season brawl, but for the teams that didn't make it, they might poach a couple of these open division players. So I would look out for that and. Again, super entertaining VODs, if anyone wants to get get in on that. Yeah, so next is, uh, looks like, something about World of Warcraft. Would you look at that? Wow. Uh, so it's the the Mythic the mythic Invitational just wrapped up the North American bracket and the uh, Asia-Pacific bracket. Uh, didn't get, a, get quite the chance to look at a lot of the VODs, but I did look at some of the, like, took a sneak peek that Blizzard has in their uh, news section. It looked pretty good. Uh, Method was kind of like, the favorite going into it they clearly won um i think all like pretty much all their maps except less one series was 2-0 yeah so they kind of took each series pretty quickly and with uh like without really a really a battle so uh, and in the asia pacific if free marzi just rolled over everybody uh, wasn't even close. So what what's going on is the top two uh, the top two from each bracket will be traveling to Ohio for the first ever MDI event on June twenty second. Uh, so it's just like a just a money cash event uh, leading up to BlizzCon. So people are going to be getting their uh, getting their tactics set before that. Uh, and again, BlizzCon is going to be that's going to usually in October September, is it not? Yes, yeah. uh, October November. Yeah, October November. Um, so this is like the MDI event is going to be a good event just for people to kind of dial in tactics leading up to, um, more tournaments. So kind of what happened is the, so the tactics in, in mythics don't tend to change a ton. There's a couple things that some teams do, um, say for instance, you know, when you're running through the dungeon, like if you're going to wipe and have like a mass res, uh, in some spots where some teams don't, and that kind of seemed to seem to be the case, is that some of the little details that Method was doing and that Omega Sniped was doing um, in the North American bracket seemed to just push them to the final. Um, 
Omega Sniped actually came out of the loser's pool, so they had sort of a disappointing 2-1 at the start of the tournament, played through the loser's pool, got to the final. Um, but yeah, it was just sort of the, the little details. So kind of what, what was going on is uh, exactly that, is some teams would uh, do a mass res uh, instead of doing a lot of the a lot of like the harder or more difficult mobs. So that kind of what separated them from the rest of the pack. Method kind of, they just kind of clean sweeped it. They just had a really clean run in their in their final series and beat Omega Snipe 2-1. Uh, Free Marzi is just wasn't even close. Isn't that probably, uh, at least in the in Method's region, because two of the considered to be favorites kind of like knocked each other out at one point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't quite remember the names, but yeah, like the... The thing is with the tournament bracket is that I don't really appreciate. Okay, I wouldn't say appreciate, but like I don't think you should have a losers bracket because that tends to what tends to happen, right? So, say for instance, uh, Omega Sniped was a strong team coming in. Yeah, they had a shitty series, but that also means that they drop into the losers bracket. So the loot they just basically means that they get a second chance. So. They again swept through the losers bracket because they're a really strong team, yeah, and still made it to the final, right? So it's like you know, who do they? I'll have to look it up, but I can't quite recall who they played in the first bracket. Um, but you know, that team who did their due diligence won that won that series, goes on to the second series to then play another juggernaut, which they lost out to. Um, but then Omega Snipe just gets another chance. Right? Yeah, it's just like I don't. I don't think it's great, but that's just my opinion. Um, I, I think it depends on the game too. Like loser, losers bracket, like the double elimination slash losers bracket is interesting for certain games. But I think other games it can be awkward, and then yeah, like teams that maybe just didn't show up that one time. Like it puts them. At, it means that that you get some weird, fun, like weird paths to victory for teams that might not be deserving of it yeah so like say for instance uh so in the first round it was team omega snipe versus dark slashers dark slashers takes that series 2-1 omega snipe then drops down into the losers bracket and basically goes 2-1-2-1-2-0-2-0 to make it to the final and so they played dark slashers a second time 2-0 them and then made it to the final so i mean it is what it is right i mean it's just kind of they got a second kick at it and won but i mean it's just not my favorite style of bracket i just feel that like if you're going to do the bracket you should come in ranked Mm -hmm. if you lose you're done right like they do in every other sport like even in the ncaa right um but yeah that's really that's really all i got on that it's um it's going to be interesting watching that mdi event just to see if method continues their dominance um just in my opinion i think they're probably the strongest team in this in this tournament but that uh, we got some esports updates before Crackercraft for the end of the first half. Yeah, we're just firing through this stuff today. Just ripping. Uh, here, so Heroes of the Dorm, uh, the Hero Four we've talked about before, like, but now they're starting to hype it up a little bit. Uh, for to remind everybody, it's Laval, Buffalo, CPP, and Kentucky. So that it's going to be broadcast on May twelfth on Twitch. Uh, they're doing an interesting thing with a pick'em contest. So anyone that has their Twitch account account linked to their Blizzard account. Uh, you can do a pick them to see who's going to win, and uh, they give you some sweet loot for it. Wow. So if you like playing Heroes of the Storm, it's good. But I'm really looking forward to it because uh, Buffalo was an upset, so they're kind of riding their high horse. Uh, Laval is obviously the Canadian team, so hopefully everyone picks Laval to win because, you know, 
go Canada, even if it's just Quebec. Yep. And it's like same, same, but different, right, Chris? Same, but different, but same, but different, mm-hmm. but same. And I really like the way they do the Heroes of the Dorm thing. They they try and have it a little bit more like your typical college sports atmosphere. This mm-hmm. is a bit different than some of the other broadcasts. Honestly, like it'll it'll just be super fun. So tune in. I'll be watching it. I'll report back. See how crushingly disappointing Laval does, as per usual for any sort of Canadian team that's involved in anything. <laughs> as, as is tradition. As tradition for Canadian teams, they just got to carry that torch for us. Yeah, i.e. the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Let's hope for better things. Um, <laughs> Overwatch League, when it, uh, so the Overwatch League viewership in Stage 3 dips, we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, I mean, you're right. It, it, it kind of hits that mid-season slump, right? Like where you're, you're, you've watched a lot, the opening hype is done, um, everything's sort of just like falling into place, and, you know, it's the same thing with other sports as well, right? You can almost guess what's going to happen yeah like you don't need to watch to know that like the best team in the league is going to be the shanghai dragons um so i mean yeah it's not it's not great it's not a great look but i think everyone sort of expected it yeah i mean anyone that's i mean there are some people that are hitting the panic button but i feel like the people that are hitting that are being overly critical or hitting a panic button at this point are people that don't watch traditional sports they don't really understand the ebb and flow or like they haven't been paying attention to the way that like things kind of even out over time mm-hmm. like even with other uh twitch esports broadcasts like you get a pretty consistent number like here's the storms htc has been around for a while now they get pretty consistent numbers like th- th- it's fairly predictable i mean it's not overwatch league numbers but those numbers kind of yeah they ebb and flow they kind of dip depending on what time of the year it is and and other factors but Honestly, like, I'm not shocked. And even then, uh, the playoff games averaged uh, 144,000 viewers on Twitch simultaneously. Like, that's still pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, it's going to pick up for the final stage. It's, it's uh, going to. Yeah, right? I would ex- I would be really shocked if they didn't get at or above what they had for opening week. Maybe not. I'm not going to say opening week. I'm not going to go there. But, like, it's gonna. It's probably going to have more I'm bullish, than the second week. I'm bullish on it only because the way that... The, even casual view- viewers tend to just show up for like playoffs and important games, mm-hmm. regardless of the sport or esport. Yeah, that you might have say like a, let's say a hundred thousand average viewers for like I don't know like a legal a League of Legends league game or something like, but a big big tournament for them might garner in the like in the millions. Now again, League of Legends is way more established in terms of like its audience, but the the growth the exponential growth potential for a finals or like a really like meaningful event i i would be not surprised if they they peaked above 500k viewership yeah for the grand finals again it partly depends on the teams Mm -hmm. it'll depend in part on like what else is going on that weekend it'll depend on like other stuff but i i would be surprised if they didn't at least match the numbers they had for week one I'm I'm gonna say I don't think it'll be that substantial. I think especially with stage four, I feel like you're just gonna see it maybe pick up near the end of the stage, going into like you know meaningful games. I don't think it's gonna get back to stage one numbers. I I just don't. And again, I for the growth of the game, you know what? Sure, if it does, it does, and that's fantastic. I just can't see it personally. I guess the way I look at it is because the Overwatch World Cup, even though like the prelim matches get like incredibly high viewership numbers like in the 200k plus and those are like 
pretty those are not like the most meaningful matches either and and this is like pre-overwatch league and they were getting those numbers so you know maybe that that is why i'm bullish is just based on the like a buy of like an internal bias but i don't see a lot that that could prevent it from doing that Mm -hmm. i could see a lot of things that that might suppress the numbers that are outside of their control but the product and the presentation and as long as they you know kind of set the time you know have the not that they have to preset the teams but if like you get compelling teams in there it, it wouldn't be that hard to convince people to turn twitch on to watch it mm-hmm. moving on we've got uh we've got the dallas fuel burning out yeah so i included this one not just because it's dallas fuel and, and i like to punish pump myself tires. yeah pump the tires of your own team yeah uh, the deflating tires of my own team mm-hmm. that are clearly going down the tube. But the, the thing is, is, I think of it as, as an interesting um, kind of example of how, although Overwatch League pro- like had the promise of providing support for players, and it's it's like part of their contract is like to, to have like all these wellness benefits as part of their 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 benefits package. I see it as being partly the the team that's suffering the hardest from the adjustment to being a pro sports team and having that pro sports attitude of having to show up every week, having pressure every week, even when the results aren't going your way, but also a combination of the fact that the team management underestimated perhaps because of the players they had, had been longtime pros, the supports that they needed to put in place ahead of time. And now they're, they're correcting it. Don't get me wrong. Like they are trying to, to fix that problem, but it's for me it's more of a like a a case study of like you have a brand new league with a bunch of brand new rules and concepts that they've never had to deal with before and they're they're borrowing and stealing from everybody else and uh, but they're doing it kind of like in hindsight even though they did try to do all these things ahead of time they as a team did not get you know based on the, the fact they don't have the results they want they just they're they're kind of the 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 example of like what the next you know, teams in the coming Overwatch League don't want to do for their players. Yeah, and I mean, it's it is tough, right? Getting adjusted to pro and amateur sports is difficult. And I mean, I'm in a special a special situation where I work with an amateur sports team. Um, I'm with the amateur sports team all fall, all winter, and I know exactly what those athletes go through. And I mean, I'll go out and say it is that like the demands physically and mentally from someone uh, like from a hockey player for instance on our team may be more substantial than that of an esports professional but that doesn't mean it's any different right like say for instance the hockey players on my team there's there's demand that they have to work out and they have to go to class and they have to practice five days and this is all five days a week we have two games every weekend they only get one bye week and then you do this all fall and winter and it can be really taxing right and I mean, and even with some of these players, though it may not be that they're going to the gym and stuff all the time, there there are demands that they may contextualize as extremely difficult. And I think people need to understand that there needs to be something for them to alleviate that stress and alleviate that pressure as an athlete in order to perform. And it's showing, right? Like, you know, this comes out and this is not a performing team. Yep. The same thing came out with the, with the Shanghai Dragons not too long ago, right? They they are not a good team. They're not. Nope. And players weren't having fun, and they weren't, and they were burning out. 
Right. But, even, but I think that the an alternative would be the way the Mayhem have handled it. The Mayhem are, again, awful team. But they're having fun. But they're, they seem to at least outwardly seem to be handling it a lot better. Um, the team is make, has, you know, added some players, performing better week in, week out. Um, but they, you know, the team always seem, comes out and seems to have a positive attitude, even when they get 4 would every, like, every every match. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I would say Shanghai's attitude has turned around quite a bit, at least in the last stage. Uh, the Korean, you know, they're, they're performing better. Uh, the Korean players seem to be injecting a different kind of attitude into the team. And you just don't see the same level of, outward uh expression of stress like effect having to go back to korea like twice in the last two stages mm-hmm. um, apparently his hair is falling out like maybe that maybe he as a player is just he's so neurotic that he just can't handle it yeah maybe that's what all, all it is right um but uh taimu the they're one of their flex dpsers like he's had some like he had to go to um go to the hospital and we're talking of the dallas fuel right yeah now. yeah so he like he had to go to the hospital and he it was kind of precautionary so like he was cleared you know it was obviously ended up being quite minor and it wasn't that big of an issue but like they are having issues with the outlets and the players on the team are not being able to like handle the pressure and uh, you know i've heard uh, you know unsubstantiated so i don't want to like peg a lot of like impact on it but rascal being released had something to do with like the way the team was you know internally handling things and like it's clear that that team has the talent but for whatever you know the culture or whatever they're built or the supports just not there for them and i mean that's probably what frankly that's why they're struggling Mm -hmm. why they're they're they'll show up like week one maybe part of week two and then just disappear for the rest of a stage and be irrelevant yeah, exactly. So, and I've already and I've already suffered a team like that. So I'm. It's called the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. So I'm, uh, and I I can only have one of those teams in my, in my life, at least on the forefront. So while I, I still consider myself a Dallas Fuel fan, I will uh, happily watch other teams that also have success and seeming stability in terms of their uh, their performance. So we'll tie that up for this for the first half. We'll be yeah. back with a on, a on a positive note. On a positive note, we'll end uh, we'll end there for Crockcraft. We uh, so we're, we're just going to do a bit of a short second half because we've got big boy places to be. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we have adult things to do. Shame, shame. Mm. But uh, we will see you in the second half. And we're back for the second half. Yay. 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 So we went to Beer Fest. Yep. Over the weekend. Oh, spoiler alert, we're not drinking any beer because it's a little early in the morning. Yeah, it's it's a little early. Even by our standards, it's a little <laughs> early in the morning. And I have to go and talk to people. So, I mean, it's probably... Well, that may not stop you if you have gum, but it's still a little early in the morning. Correct. Correct. Yeah, probably don't want to smell like booze first thing in the morning. No, so we're going to... But we will talk about the beers we tried because despite the fact that I don't remember... A lot of the beers we had, I remember enough of them to pick a couple. This is so that's the that's my favorite thing about Beer Fest is that you go into it and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go and you're like, sound like you're all prestigious about it. You're like, oh, I'm gonna go and try all these beers and I'm gonna remember which ones are my favorite because I like beer and I'm a beer snob. And then you get like a couple of those because because what happens is you have tokens 
you go around to all these different vendors. You pay them in tokens and they fill up like an eight ounce glass. No, it's four. Four ounce glass. Yeah. So it's like little shots of beer. So you can go around and like try all these different companies. But the problem is, is you get drunk really quick. It The four ounces hits you real hard. Yeah. Like it's surprisingly hard. And well, actually, uh, the problem that I had this year was not so much that I had too much beer, but that I hardly ate anything that day. I didn't realize it was too late and then didn't spend any tokens on food when we got there. So I didn't eat until we hit the Japanese joint afterwards at like 830 at night. Which was delicious. Amazing. <laughs> Which is so good. Gayukaku for Lewis to see if he's listening. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. It was incredible. I was also starving at that point because I hadn't eaten anything except for liquid basically since about 10 a.m. Yeah. So, uh, so again, I can't remember a ton of the beers I had, but I do remember my favorite. Um, it was the Honey Buck. From Fallen Timber. From Spoiler Fallen Timber. not actually a beer. Yeah, it's not actually a beer. It's meat. Yeah. So it's it's not quite a beer, but same same but different. Same um, same but different. So Fallen Timber was actually is actually a meadery in Clearwater. No Water Valley. Water Valley, Alberta. Clearwater, Saskatchewan. Clearwater, I think. Clearwater is Florida, where Scientologists are. Oh fuck. Okay. You're a w- uh, way Water off Valley, um, <laughs> Alberta. So it, it's about an hour and a half away from us. I would say uh, hour and a half, two hours. Hour. Yeah, around there. Anyways, it's a nice drive. It is. It, it's a meadery that we've been to. It's 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 awesome. So the the people who run it are it's all one under a family. It's a family run business. Yeah. Um. It started off as a a beehive. Um. It was they strictly did honey, and then one of the kids of the dad who ran this honey business. Uh, made meat out of it and kind of ran with it and they offer like traditional meads uh, they offer like a saskatoon mead which is delicious yep uh, and a hopped mead which is also very good and one of our personal favorites mm-hmm. uh, mead hito which the, is the best the best which is so good it's it's like a mojito the mixed best. with mead it's unreal so honeybuck was it's a new release by fallen timber um so it's just like a like a honey flavored or it's, more a, it's, a gin, it's a ginger and fruit f- version of the mojito, so it's kind of yeah. a play off of, unlike mojito, which is a mojito cocktail play, uh, the honey buck is more of just a, a play on the flavors that work well with, with mead, but kind of the same concept where it's like a light, refreshing, citrusy with a bit of a tang to it mm-hmm. for that mm, the easy drinking. Mm, mm, yeah, it was it was really good. It was easily. I do that a lot with favorites. the beers I like, but. Mm, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, you can get it. You can actually get it at um, the liquor depot in a growler, mm-hmm. which I've done twice, and worth every single time. So that was my personal favorite. Um, my least favorite. Uh, free, it was called. It was the company is called Freehold. Um, we I had their CAs on. Uh, your girlfriend had. What was it? I can't remember. It was oh. a lager. I think it was a, a lager or a Kolsch style from them. Like, it was a light beer. It was disgusting. It was very, it was very forgettable. I've never... So, like, I don't typically dump out a lot of beer. That was the first beer I dumped out. at Like, at that day in Beer Fest, I'm like, I can't even drink. This is disgusting. Yeah. Um, yeah, Freehold. Yikes. Yeah, so we both agree on the Honey Buck. The Freehold was not great. Uh, I think my... My next favorite was actually from New Level Brewing. 
you're all about them, hey? I bought a hat from free, uh, from New Level. The, the hat is sweet. I'll tweet it out. They they had, uh, I can't remember the names. Well, there was the Berserker Lager. Mm-hmm. There was the, the Strawberry Milkshake IPA. That which, one was interesting. Like, it, oh, it was Wizard. There was the Wizard's Revenge. I believe it was rain and blood was another one wasn't no it? Was that, that was the then that was on their sign it was like rain and beer or something or, yeah yeah rain and beer that's the I, I went to their website to see if i can find their their brews and i could not anyways they had two ipas there was a standard ipa um which was exceptional it was like a hazy ipa cutting your typical ipa flavor but again like seven percent killer flavor um clean for an ipa and then the the strawberry the, the strawberry one milkshake IPA was surprisingly sweet. It was like seven point six percent alcohol by volume, but it was I could drink a lot more of that than I'm probably comfortable with from anything above six percent normally. So I would call like those types of beers with a like really f- sort of flavor forward. Like it has like a very non beer. Like a non-typical beer flavor forward, so like yeah. strawberry IPA. Uh, there was a blueberry IPA, which which I tried from uh, Al- like an Alberta beer company. Yeah, um, I'd call those like a dessert beer. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say that's probably fair. Yeah, and I th- and I think for the for the strawberry IPA, I think it was really good. Or the strawberry milkshake IPA. Oh yeah, I thought it was really good. I don't know if I could have a ton of those, but I think a dessert beer is probably the best way to put it. And I could easily have one. You should go to after their, a really you should go to their website, by the way, and look at the, uh, the promo photo they have at the, the bottom of the, the links page. Fucking love it. It's like a, a stepbrother style photo shoot that they did. It's incredible. Yeah. And those guys, and those, those are the two guys that were there serving too. And like, they were a couple of goofs. I really enjoyed them as people. And we'll definitely hit their their tap room in the future. Yeah, and I mean, Josh said it too. Oh yeah, Reaper's Choice. I found Reaper's their Choice. I found their I found a, a the Just Beer app page. Uh, Reaper's Choice was their American IPA. That was the hazy one. That was delicious. And the Berserker Blonde was their their blonde ale. Yeah. So I mean, Josh said it on the uh, it even like forever ago on the podcast that we had him on. Um, he said he said it too. A lot of why I would choose to try a beer has to do with their branding right like you know if the cans look cool or the bottles look cool or you like the color scheme of their logo or something on those lines that's like your initial drawing right yeah and the nice thing with level up is it's very appealing to like gamers new, new level. and i'm oh, sorry new level um to gamers or hipsters or whatever it's really appealing right it kind of draws them in uh, draws them in so i really like their branding I like their beer was pretty good too, so I'll probably drink it again. Yeah, they uh, they're opening on May eleventh. Their tap house, which is that their, their tap room, which is pretty close to the Chinook Mall. So uh, odds are I will go there, maybe not this weekend, but pretty soon, mm-hmm. and uh, load up on some beer because uh, I found I found an article on their uh, not on their website on them. Uh, so Wizards Revenge was the strawberry milk pa- milkshake IPA, seven point five percent, Berserker Blonde Ale. Uh, Leviathan Russian Imperial Stout at 10%. Uh, Chris, you're going to like that one. Um, Fat Elvis Milk Stout. Uh, a Blaze in the Alberta Sky Black IPA. Ooh, I'm looking to try that one. Mm-hmm. Seven. I'm a big fan of black IPAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, God Save the ESB, which is an ESB for those that, uh, spoiler alert. 
don't know what an ESB is. Uh, and then obviously the Reaper's Choice IPA and Seasons in the Abyss. I'm sure it's pronounced for them Seasons in the Abyss. So they were my, I would say my top brewery there this mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily the best drink, but I went back there repeatedly and enjoyed the shit out of everything that I had there. And I did try the Berserker Blondale. It didn't make my top three, but it's an incredible beer still. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Blind Man. I know their beer. It's not like a surprise to me. I love their stuff. Yeah, Blind Man always does a great job. Uh, their Session Ale, for me, is incredible. Their Long Shows IPA is also really good. So I, I, what I had there was their Session Ale, and I also had their Pink Boots. So for those who don't know, the Pink Boots uh, brews are uh, a bunch of the breweries. That, I'm not sure if it's just Alberta, but I know a bunch of the Albertan breweries had their female staff brew a special beer for uh, International Women's Day, I believe. And uh, some of they did. There was a wide range of beers released from a wide range of breweries, and they did a a Pink Boots cask at the Blind Man Brewery. It was a Pink Boots Red Ale, and I'm not a big fan of red ales, but by red ale standards, this was actually quite good. Yeah. So it's an honorable mention for me because the fact that they made a red ale I'll drink isn't is a step like because the two beers that I won't drink are red ales and Scottish ales. Don't like the flavors of them very much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like me with porters. So getting me to actually drink one of those two and enjoy them means that you, you did a good job. You did good. You did good. So those are my three notables from Beer Fest this year. And I am looking forward to uh, Oktoberfest as long as they don't do like they did last year. Yeah. Yeah. The setup wasn't great last year, but no, we'll, we'll still go. That's, that's a story. But it wasn't great. That's a story for closer to Oktoberfest. But uh, moving on into patch notes minor news uh new from lizard pink mercy yes looks pretty cool so speaking uh, of women's awareness issues uh they're releasing for 15 us dollars uh the proceeds going to charity a pink mercy skin which looks really cool you should check it out it's pretty cool skin uh i think the bit and they when you log in during this month that you also get like a pink ribbon um avatar thing Mm mm-hmm and uh, I think it's really cool of the company to do that. I think they're doing it in a really neat way too, right? I mean, they're doing it through Twitch streams. Uh, so you, there's like a schedule of people who will be playing and participating in their charity streams. And the more you watch them, the more you get. Mm-hmm. So like it starts off as a, you know, you log in, you get whatever. Um, you spend a total of two hours, you get something different. You spend a total of four hours watching streams, you get something different. And there's, some, and there's the Twitch bits. I think there's some other stuff around that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an interesting concept, like the the in the in stream currency, also like they, so they're they're tackling it from multiple ways to to raise money, and I think it's really cool. Other yeah, to do and that. like Blizzard has tip like in the past has typically done like uh, you know they'll make a pet in World of Warcraft. Yeah, where you know all proceeds go to a cause. Um, this one is nice because it's interactive, and I think that's a really unique and neat way to do it rather than just just being like hey spend money and we'll give some money to a charity which is not like it's not a bad thing don't get me wrong no not at all but i think this will engage people a little more right maybe attempt to look into what it's covering like you know it's it also gives people multiple ways to participate when you don't necessarily want to drop 15 bucks on a skin yeah. Which, I mean, I've heard a few mild complaints about the price. I'm like, well, it's for charity, for one. Yeah, and you don't have that. to buy it, and you can you can participate in other ways if you don't have 15 bucks Correct. just lying around in, in your in your pockets. Correct. So, 
Yeah. It's really cool initiative. I appreciate when companies do stuff like this for all sorts of causes. And this is an easy one. Like the breast cancer awareness thing is an easy one to get on board with. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean it's not great for them to, to do it still. So, yeah, no. So check that out. It's, it's really cool. The school, the, the skin's really cool. Yeah. So well worth it next. Uh, so that over, big overwatch patch dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing on the patch I haven't experienced is the map yet. So, uh, that's TBD. Yep. I, but I have heard an interesting bug where people, uh, can kill the robot boat drivers from the little, the little Vienna boats. Yeah. So they have these little droid things that drive the boats and you can go and kill them. They're just part of like a destructible environment thing. But there's a bug where you get play of the game by going and destroying them in a game. It's really, it's a really weird bug that they're fixing. <laughs> Anyways, one of those unintentional bugs is actually kind of funny. When you look at some of the play of the games from that, people are just going around like sniping these robots. And then it's it's funny as hell. People just go watch that before uh, that bug gets cleared up. So, but the stuff I have experienced, uh, Lucio's wall ride is 100% easier to do. Like, I feel like an expert now riding up the walls with it, which might not, might, which I feel bad for the people that mastered the old wall riding where they could literally ride the wall forever and go to weird, I could never do that. Yeah. So this makes me kind of feel like I can do it a little bit. Yeah, you're like, I'm good. Look at me. I'm Lucio. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm doing good. Lucio. Oh, woo, look at me. <laughs> ride the wall like Spider-Man. <laughs> it's really cool. I, like, I appreciate the the quality of life change for that because it makes you not feel like a useless piece of shit playing a non-wall riding Lucio when yeah. you're forced to play Lucio. Yeah. Uh, Tracer's still ridiculous. That The oh, nerf didn't do anything. It, it was a nerf to her ability to like one shot a mostly healthy tank but guess what happens she just one clips someone else does a couple little bit more damage and she throws the bomb and it kills everybody else anyway so that hasn't changed her for sure. <laughs> congratulations please you did it uh so stormbow change has struck a balance between being incredibly annoying to get domed by but also realizing that it is that they actually have to like aim mm-hmm. to kill you with like i've been killed by it a few times and i heard the little it makes this little like sound and you're like oh no and you just get domed by and it's really fucking annoying but it's not scatter arrow so i can live with it scatter arrow was the most annoying thing to get killed by this actually requires you to aim and having like been at the receiving end and delivering scatter arrows to people's heads there's just enough skill involved that i don't feel like a complete piece of shit for being killed by it Mm mm-hmm so I'm happy with the changes, all good changes, and uh, yeah. That, but there are some some interesting PTR changes coming up where Anna's clip size got increased to 14. I think that's a pretty small change. Other than like, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it actually. She won't have to reload game, but... quite as often, and Bridget's just getting a, another little like cooldown adjustment, which isn't surprising because her cooldowns are like quite short, and her bash being able to stun people temporarily is super powerful, like mm-hmm. in a vacuum. So not surprising at all uh nexus mania tease that was that's kind of cool so like so nexus mania it's a playoff of wrestlemania yep so luchadors and i called it nexus mania i don't actually know that's what's going to be called to be let's be clear yeah but it seems like they're they're teasing luchador skins for several characters they look funny they have a so the first teaser was a chihuahua like a luchador chihuahua which was adorable also hilarious the second one 
was a Luchador Diablo and Luchador Garrosh, I believe. The Luchador Diablo looks hilarious. Yeah, so yeah, it's a Luchador Diablo and a Luchador Garrosh. And it is actually, it like, if the skins look half as half as fun as the, the, the drawing teasers that they have, yeah. I'm going to, like, buy these Instalock skins. Yeah, they look super cool. And speaking, speaking of skins, they also released, like, god avatar skins for guldan and uh oh, yeah. that ties into the comic which uh did you yeah. read the comic the comic is cool the I comic, really like the it comic. was only like 10 pages it was kind of short but it was, i thought it was really cool the, the art was really fantastic um there was a lot of stuff that like kind of like teased a bunch uh, like lore stuff without really going into it so it was if it had been 15 pages it might have been like a tiny bit better for that but otherwise i really enjoyed the comic yeah, and the god skins they look, or the ascended skins, they look super cool. I got the uh, the Alarak one looks tight. I as got a Toyger. I got the I got the Alarak ascended skin, and yeah. it's super cool. It I love looks it. Toit, toit, like a Toyger, like a Toyger. Um, other than that, not really a whole lot going on in the Blizzard world this week, but. Uh, I think we'll probably cut it off there. Being completely honest, we got to get out of here pretty quick. Well, I'll be able to catch up on a bunch of Hearthstone stuff for next week now because uh, Overwatch League is gone is gone for a week mm-hmm. with uh, the usual break they have for the stages. And uh, Heroes of the Storm, other than Heroes of the Dorm, which I'll be able to watch, is basically going on a bit of a break for the midseason brawl for teams to prep and get and get some practice time in and travel and whatever. So that won't happen till June. So Heroes of the Dorm and Hearthstone will finally have some stuff for me to talk about because they just had the summer regional playoffs kicking off. So there I, have, you go. I have not watched enough to actually report on other than I know that they are happening. I'll get back to you on that next week. Well, you can reach us at, uh, at on Twitter, at battle.cast. Yep. Uh, Gmail is still toughfishpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, my name is Taylor, and you can reach me on Twitter uh, at Tay Del or no, it's Taylor Delanoy at T-A-Y-L-E-R-D-E-L-A-N-N-O-Y. I changed it recently and I always forget. Uh, and how about you? Uh, I am uh, at CDN Crickles, C-R-I-C-K-L-E-S. And uh, yeah, you can tweet all your hate for the podcast at me. I'm also behind the social media account and only half cut most of the time when posting on our Battle.cast yeah. Twitter account. It's called proofreading. It's a thing. Uh, as in... As in 55% proof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks for thanks for listening everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye.